Welcome to another episode of Not Another Basketball Podcast with your host, Daniel Pun. In today's episode, we'll do a little bit of a recap on our Christmas Day games in the NBA. Want to get into that Mavericks-Suns game because Luka Magic, am I right? We'll be talking about the Detroit Pistons and their historic... 27 game setting record in the losing column as well as the OKC Thunder young hot upcoming team currently second in the Western Conference can they keep up this pace or are they just pretenders instead of contenders this and more on today's episode of not another basketball podcast With that, let's get right into it. All right, all right, all right. Took a bit of a break for Christmas and the holidays. Hope everyone had a wonderful holiday season full of joy and hope you got the gifts you were asking for. I certainly did with the action that we got on Christmas Day with these NBA games. One game in particular, though, that I really wanted to highlight was this Mavericks-Suns game at the end of the schedule. Mavericks take the dub away. 128-114. to And it was done with none other than the heroic, superhero, and generational talent of, you guessed it, Luka Doncic. Yes, Luka in this game against the Suns, 50 points, 15 assists, 6 rebounds, 4 blocks, and 3 steals. Absolutely ridiculous. And the fact that Luka has been able to do this time and time again against the Suns, man, speaks for itself. But it's truly remarkable to have a player like this be able to play at his own pace, at his own tempo, and just be a one-man machine. He generated 92 points out of 128 for the Mavericks. 92. That's absolutely insane. And he's certainly up there if we were to do super early predictions for MVP. He's certainly up there considering that the Mavs have been been up there in terms of Exceeding expectations, I would say. I think that initially when the Kyrie deal was made, there was some skepticism in regards to how they would fit together, you know, Kyrie and Luka on the same floor. And obviously, they were still figuring it out last year and didn't even make the playoffs, for that matter, towards the end of the stretch because of some 
untimely losses, I'd say. But this time, this year, new additions, you know, Grant Williams, excellent corner shooter, as well as a wonderful pickup in this year's draft, Derek Lively the third. I think that they've been able to really turn things around. Obviously, they're not a super high seed. I believe they're only the sixth seed at this time. But just for the fact that they've been able to make this turnaround and win meaningful games, it's it's a great thing to see. And I think that, obviously, Kyrie's injured currently, but he's going to come back eventually. And for the meantime, we get to watch the brilliance that is Luka Doncic. Absolutely dismantling NBA defenses, really proving to everyone that he is him. Like, how does someone like that score that many points and generate that many points for his team? I think... Looking into his historic performance on Christmas Day, the only other players to have scored 50 points on Christmas Day, Bernard King, legend. Wilt Chamberlain, obviously legend. And Rick Barry, very good player. Shout out to all of them. But, yeah, he is truly something else. I don't know how he does it. And also, thinking about just NBA Christmas as a whole, I wonder how their ratings are doing. And also, where are the NBA jerseys? You know, that was such a a cool thing to look forward to back in the day. Or when they had nicknames on the back of jerseys. Obviously, not everyone has a nickname. Or, like, people have very weird nicknames. Like, for example, did you know... That Eric Gordon's, one of Eric Gordon's nickname is The Hobbit. Like, who comes up with this stuff? But anyways, that's it for my coverage of Christmas games. I want to talk about some other stuff that's been happening. Like, the historic trash fire that is the Detroit Pistons. Yes, the Detroit Pistons. We're going to be talking about them today. So, I think Detroit had such a good opportunity to not get this very unfortunate record of 27 games. They are amongst one of the worst teams in NBA history, secondary to maybe the... Philadelphia team of past before the process and the Cavs team right after LeBron left his first time for Miami. But yeah, I was watching the last game where they were facing Brooklyn where Cade absolutely went off 41 points on 15 of 21 shooting. Did everything he could and yet They blow 
so many runs in that game. It was astounding. At one point, they clawed back on an 11-0 run in like the fourth quarter, the third quarter, and then nothing. It's very unfortunate because I know for a fact that Monty, Monty Williams, their coach, is a great coach. He's a good guy. But like how do you reconcile this? Are there takeaways? I feel like there are certainly good takeaways because they kept that game competitive when they seemingly were out of it in the first half. But like Brooklyn was leaving the door wide open. And I mean, when I say open, I mean open, you know. Because Brooklyn this year notoriously has not had a very good offense. Jock Vaughn, their coach, has time and time again say, said they don't want to run isolation. And they did not he did not expect to be running this much isolation in the game. I'm pretty sure they're like one of the top teams in regards to running ISO plays. And it just turns into situations like that because we are, I say we as if I'm on the team, but you get my point. The Brooklyn Nets don't really have the personnel to really do something remarkable with their offense, right? They have Spencer Dinwiddie, who's a great generator of points by himself, and that Contested three-pointer that he always chucks up after dribbling a bunch of times. Obviously, McHale's coming into himself, trying to build upon last year, the Iron Man. I think that they're going to need to figure it out if they're going to try and do something special and you know, hopefully make the play-in game, but I guess we'll see. But back to the Pistons. So... I think the big thing about the Pistons is they don't have any sense of direction. Their players are honestly not good. Or one thing I think that is plaguing the Pistons, if I saw anything from that game, is a lack of a lack of direction, a lack of commitment. And I think one thing that would really help is if they're they had more veteran presence or talent that isn't just Cade because I kid you not why do you have 12 year vet Alec Burke taking a contested shot when there is less than like a minute to go or however many seconds it was when the game is on the line and you have someone like Cade who's gone off for 40-plus points. Like, you're trying to lose the game at that point when Brooklyn was playing so poorly and was giving such an opportunity for the Pistons to really actually win this game. And it is a real question now. Like, where does Detroit go from here? You've already cemented yourself as the worst team in basketball. Your next 
game is against the Celtics in TD Garden. Where do you go from here? It's interesting to also to think because there normally is a lot of parity in the NBA, right? On any given night, you can't say for 100% certain that a mid-tier or low-tier team will 100% lose to a top-seeded team. And that's just because if everything goes wrong for the top-seeded team and everything goes right and somebody gets hot on the low-seeded team, odds are the low-seeded team can win. And there's always a chance for that. But this Detroit Pistons team, this Pistons team, Cade went off for 41 points, and you're telling me that despite the Brooklyn Nets doing everything they could to try and give this game away, you still couldn't close it out, and you have terrible basketball in-game decisions like Alec Burke taking a heavily contested three-point shot rather than running a play or doing anything with it. That's an issue. You know, there are the sell the team chants, sell the team chants, or, you know, blow it up. Like, you, like, where do you go from here? Are you going to try and just get a top three lottery pick and hope it works out? Like, there is no sense of direction. Cade is great, but is he him? Is he a generational talent? Obviously... Too early to tell, given that he has been riddled with injuries. But, like, where do you go from here? Like, are there foundational pieces that you can build upon? And, you know, (laughs) it's just ridiculous, I think. Like, at least the Detroit fans have the Lions. Congratulations to the Lions for getting the top of their division since... Like I think that or like the mid two thousands. I'm not that big of a NFL fans, but I know they just cl- like clinched the top seed or just got the top seed. But hey, Detroit fans, at least you got that going for you, right? Instead of putting on a Pistons game and watching that dumpster fire. But yeah. That's all my thoughts for the Pistons. In regards to the Thunder, let's talk about the Thunder because I want to end things on a good note and a really fun team, I think, that has been coming, right? Pause. But has been looming since last year. There have been so many things, you know, Sam Presti, he's been collecting all these picks and they're in such a good position. They have such a good, bad problem. They have too many draft picks. They have foundational pieces of their franchise and SGA and Chet and all these other guys that complement them. Obviously, Giddy has some weird allegations. I'm, you know, I'm not going to speak on that because 
there truthfully isn't enough information to confirm one or the other. But on the basketball end, they have been excellent. You know, the Western Conference is so competitive. And the fact that they're able to even just be in the running for a top seed, obviously if they go on a losing streak or something, that could all change. But I think that they have definitely... They have definitely met expectations for this year. And I could even argue that they've exceeded it. Obviously, there's a lot of basketball left to be played, but I think the things that they've been building upon this year have certainly been in a much, much, much more positive direction for such a young team. And that, without a doubt, is on the backs of SGA, who is a superstar in himself. And currently, number one in the rookie ladder, Chet Holmgren. Now, I have to consider how big of an advantage do you think is having a year off? Because we've had players who have been out for like a year due to a freak injury in the beginning of the season, the Joel Embiid's, the Ben Simmons, and now the Chet Holmgrims, where they sit out an entire year, but they're on the bench. They're learning the process. They're acclimating to the NBA. It's like redshirting for NCAA sports. It's an opportunity where you're around the team, you follow this you follow the schemes you get to learn from the coaching staff and get direction and acclimation before even starting and setting foot on the NBA court right and i feel like that's got to give you an advantage so i'm curious to see if that's potentially something that could be pointed to in how Chet has found so much success in the NBA. You know, serendipity in that regard of finding good out of the bad, right? Obviously, he could have started playing last year and maybe he would have been even farther ahead or maybe not. But the Chet homegrown that we have right now, currently, top of the rookie ladder, doing his thing, playing on a winning basketball team, That's got to feel good as a rookie. And obviously, SGA. Currently, he's averaging 30-plus points. I think they had two solid wins against both the Knicks and the Timberwolves, who are both very competitive teams. Obviously, the T-Wolves. Let's talk about the T-Wolves game and how... OKC was able to just demantle, dismantle the top-seeded defense within the league. SGA was able to drop 34 points on 14 of 19 shooting. Like, just remarkable. Just remarkable. And I think it's an interesting thing 
to consider like what their offense is. Like they are last I checked, number two in three point percentage as a team within the association. Now they are like only ranked seventeenth in regards to how many attempts they are taking. They're no Boston Celtics team who's taking 40 plus threes and just literally living and dying by the three-point shot but it works for them right but they are making smart decisions they are making the right passes they're playing for each other i think that because they're all young too they really vibe with each other right and it's really going to be interesting to see because i OKC is going to be the future of the NBA. You hear, heard it here, folks. You heard it uh, first here on Not Another Basketball Podcast. The OKC going to be the future of the NBA. Wild takes, right? No. But yeah, no, it's just fascinating and really exciting to see how this team's going to evolve. And they have such a good problem with too many draft picks. Like, because they have such an abundance, I could totally see them just flipping their excess picks into quality role players or turning that into a blockbuster trade where they get a superstar talent to throw into the mix. There's a lot of good for OKC. Or, like, they just keep this core and just maintain... And draft quality guys to complement their their franchise cornerstones, right? That's kind of how the Denver Nuggets did it. They built their team out of the draft. That's how the Golden State Warriors did it. They built their team out of the draft. Their core pieces come out of the draft. And I think if they can, if OKC can emulate that, that not only builds culture, it builds player development it builds a system that can be prided upon it's not a situation where like you have the brooklyn nets just go all in on trading for superstars throwing away all assets or the uh, thunder not or the excuse me the the suns who go all in on trading for beal and kd and trying to manifest and force a superstar lineup that is filled out with scrubs no offense but or just minimum salary talent you have an opportunity to really cultivate something and build something special and i think that's the great thing about sports being able to see a team bloom and have that sort of growing up upbringing story really makes for more entertaining and satisfying victories, right? When you're able to see a player develop into something special. And I think that is one of the issues that really the NBA tackled in their most recent CBA and how they're making it more difficult to have multiple max contract guys on the same team unless you really want to dig into the luxury tax 
it'll certainly be interesting how strategies shift in like the next like five to 10 years as it'll be harder to do things like, you know, pull a trade, throw away all your draft assets and get like two or three superstars because that's becoming less and less possible with the restrictions of this new CBA. Man, NBA season is in full effect. We have some good upcoming talent. We have some veteran presence that, yeah, I'm just, I'm just in awe. That's all I can say. I don't know. But with that being said, I think I'm going to wrap up today's episode. A bit of a longer one. Just kind of going with the vibes. Talking about basketball, right? Because that's why we're all here. Thanks to everyone who listened. This is our last episode before the new year. So with that being said, I wish you all a very, very happy new year. Thank you for listening and taking the time to listen to this tiny podcast I just wanted to throw in for fun. With that being said, this has been your host, Daniel Pun, with Not Another Basketball Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, leave a like, share it with a friend that you think would enjoy it. And until next time, have a wonderful new year. And you know what time it is. Roll that outro.